Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Deadly shootings over the weekend in New York and California. One at a supermarket leaving 10 people dead. Another at a church where senior citizens cut the gunmen short. Both Finland and Sweden have confirmed their intention to join NATO, but full member approval is necessary for admission, and NATO member Turkey has some reservations. India is banning exports of wheat after a sharp rise in domestic prices. More countries depend on Indian wheat since the war in Ukraine began. Officials are calling a group of California churchgoers heroic after they stopped a gunman yesterday at an Orange County church. He killed one person and injured five. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more. Taiwanese churchgoers in Southern California tackled a gunman Sunday after he opened fire during a lunch banquet. There were about 30 to 40 people there when the suspect, an Asian man in his 60s, started shooting. We believe a group of churchgoers detained him and hogtied his legs with an extension cord and confiscated at least two weapons from him. He was detained when the deputies arrived. Officials say police responded around 1.30 local time at the Geneva Presbyterian Church. The five injured victims include four Asian men and one Asian woman, ranging in age from 66 to 92. Mayor Pro Tem Cynthia Connors says the congregation that shares the church is mostly older Taiwanese people. My thinking is that there were no teenagers that went and tackled this gunman. These were mature people who, um, who did this, and I'm very proud of them. I'd like to think I would do that, but you never know till you're there. The Taiwanese congregation was taking photos with their former pastor of 20 years, who just returned from Taiwan. One churchgoer said he saw the pastor hit the gunman with a chair when he paused to reload, and then others tackled the gunman. They undoubtedly prevented additional injuries and fatalities. The LA Times reports that a city councilwoman whose parents are members of the church says many of the members have military backgrounds. Local residents say they're shocked by the shooting. It's usually been pretty cool and low-key, and to have this happen, I don't know what to say. I just dumbfounded. It's just too close to home for me, and maybe news people are used to seeing stuff like this, but not me. Officials say they don't believe the gunman is from the area, and so far they don't know the motive or if he had any ties to the church. The name of the person who died will be released pending official identification and when the family's been notified. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. A video has captured the moment diners fled a Los Angeles food hall on Saturday after a man was killed in a daytime shooting. Please note this report contains content that some viewers may find disturbing. Patrons ran for safety when gunfire on Saturday afternoon near an entrance to Grand Central Market, according to video from the scene. Police say the victim is in his 30s. He suffered at least one gunshot wound and was taken to the hospital where he died. He was not immediately identified. Investigators did not release a suspect description or identify a possible motive. Grand Central Market called the shooting an isolated incident between two people that occurred on neighboring Hill Street. The market said it will be tightening security and proactively working with proper authorities to further assess the situation. In Buffalo, New York, 10 people are dead after a mass shooting at a supermarket on Saturday. The suspect live-streamed the shooting. NTD reporter Jeremy Sandberg has the details. 
left. Right. A mass shooting at the Tops Friendly Market in Buffalo on Saturday has locals grieving and in shock. And it's, it's just so sad to me. I've never seen this since I've been in Buffalo. 18-year-old suspect Peyton Gendron is in custody after surrendering to police outside the supermarket. The officers immediately engaged the subject. Um, as it was said, he put the gun underneath his chin and our officers um, very courageously used every de-escalation tactic that they could. They talked him down. Eleven of the victims were black. Officials say the shooting was racially motivated violent extremism. It will be prosecuted as a hate crime. This is someone who has hate in their heart, soul and mind. Officials believe the suspect posted a manifesto online detailing his desire to make the attack. This was pure evil by one individual. The suspected gunman allegedly drove about 200 miles to Buffalo from Conklin, New York, a day prior to the attack. He shot outside the store and he shot inside the store. I heard at least 20 shots in store. Police say the shooter arrived in the afternoon and opened fire with a rifle outside the supermarket. He wore military-style clothing and body armor in the attack. The incident was broadcast live from a helmet camera on the streaming platform Twitch. Inside the store, he was confronted by retired police officer and security guard Aaron Salter. He fired multiple shots but hit the gunman's bulletproof vest. Salter was killed when the shooter returned fire. He's, he was a nice guy, you know, he, he cared about the community, he looked after the store, he did a good job, you know, he was very nice and respectable. According to officials, the suspect had been detained and evaluated last year for a mental health check after making a school shooting threat. The state police responded, they investigated, they interviewed the subject and they felt it was appropriate at that time to have that individual brought in for mental health evaluations. Gendron is being charged with first-degree murder, which carries a maximum penalty of life in prison without parole in New York. He has pleaded not guilty. The shooting left 10 dead and three injured. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Buffalo massacre has sent shockwaves through local communities. Outrage and frustration are on the rise as the city recovers from the tragedy. Here are the details. Grief and sympathy have spread through the city of Buffalo in the wake of the mass shooting that claimed 10 innocent lives. I'm devastated and just completely um, sad and, and mourning. I haven't slept all night. I've been crying all night. I've been praying all night, hoping that this is just a dream, but it's not. It's just unbelievable. One of the victims was Hayward Patterson, a deacon at a nearby church. While paying tribute to him, Pastor Russell Bell said he lived his life in service of others. Deacon Patterson was a man who loved people. He, was a, he loved the community, he loved the church, he loved the community just as much as he loved the church. And so you would see him anywhere he was, he was encouraging people you know, to be the best that they can be, telling his story. Um, I guess he had a rather checkered past. He spent some time in jail and prison and all of that. But he talks about how God, Christ turned his life around. And, and so he was encouraging people that you can do better. You can be better. And that was, that was him. Patterson went to the church soup kitchen before heading to the supermarket, where he offered an informal taxi service driving people home from the market. From what I understand, he was assisting somebody putting their groceries in their car when he was uh, shot and killed. Vigils, prayers and rallies were held across the region to mark the tragedy. But people are also asking what's happening to their peaceful community and how they can recover from the trauma. Do you think that somebody from out of this state, or not to say, out of like this city came just to cause violence because of a hate crime he has? Ridiculous. Racism? I know it's not going to stop, but it's ridiculous. People shouldn't have to fear just because of the color of their skin.
we all bleed, we all can suffer at some point, but I'm also confident that I'm being led in the right direction through God and through my community by giving back, by coming out to support those who are still here. Federal authorities are still confirming the authenticity of a racist manifesto, which allegedly details the motive of the shooter. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Nordic countries Finland and Sweden have been considering NATO membership, and on Sunday, they moved closer to making their membership a reality. Here's more on that story. Finnish President Suwali Nanista confirmed that Finland would apply to join NATO, while Sweden's ruling Social Democrats announced an official policy change that could pave the way for Sweden's application in the coming days. If Sweden does not apply, they would be the only Nordic outsider. Other Nordic countries like Norway, Denmark and Iceland joined the pact as founding members. Finland and Sweden would like guarantees that NATO member nations would defend them while the application process is underway. Finland's president spoke to Russian President Vladimir Putin on Saturday and said their conversation did not contain any threats, despite Moscow repeatedly warning of serious consequences if the nations join NATO. Ratification can take a year as parliaments of all 30 NATO countries need to approve new members. However, NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg says arrangements for the period can be made. We will try to speed up that process as much as possible. Many allies have stated that they will find uh, fast tracks, as for instance Germany has indicated that this can go quite fast. We uh, will look into uh, ways to provide um, security assurances, including by increasing NATO presence uh, in the region, uh, in the Baltic region, uh, uh, in and around Finland and Sweden. While many member nations such as Britain, Germany and the United States are showing support, Turkey is holding back. Turkey surprised its allies in recent days by saying it had reservations about Finnish and Swedish membership due to their support of Kurdish militant groups present on their territory. On Sunday, in a meeting with foreign ministers in Berlin, Turkey said in order to support their memberships, the Nordic nations must halt Kurdish militant support as well as lift bans on some sales of arms to Turkey. Sunday's meeting seemed promising as Turkey's foreign minister said talks with Swedish and Finnish counterparts were helpful. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken echoed those remarks. I don't want to characterize the specific conversation that we had either with the foreign minister or within the NATO sessions themselves, but I can say this much. I heard almost across the board very strong support for Finland and NATO joining the alliance if that's what they choose to do, um, and I'm very confident that we will reach consensus on that. Once vetted by NATO allies and if Turkish objections are met, approval could come in a matter of weeks. Sweden's government has formally decided to apply for NATO membership, the country's prime minister said today. That sets it on the road toward ending the military non-alignment that lasted throughout the Cold War. The country's neutral position has been a central tenet of its national identity for two centuries. The move to join NATO marks a sea change in public perception in the Nordic region following Russia's attack on its neighbor. There is broad backing in Parliament for an application, though the government does not need its approval to go ahead. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell says Congress will seek to ratify Finland's application to join the NATO military alliance before going on break in August. And let me say that the goal in the United States will be, able to, will be to approve that as rapidly as possible. We had a very interesting discussion, not only dealing with uh, Finnish uh, membership in NATO, but also 
Ukraine and uh, how we see world developing, getting better, how we get rid of these uh, problems we have, the crisis in Ukraine. President Niinistö confirmed on Sunday that Finland would apply for NATO membership. It's a historic policy shift prompted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. McConnell said there was broad bipartisan support among U.S. lawmakers for Finnish membership, but the final approval could take months. The ruling bodies of all 30 NATO member countries must approve the membership. Finland has remained neutral since the end of World War II. The country was invaded by the Soviet Union at that time. Finland and Russia share an 830-mile border. No more Happy Meals in Moscow. McDonald's is selling its business in Russia, saying in a statement that due to the war in Ukraine, having its franchise there is, quote, no longer tenable, nor is it consistent with McDonald's values. The burger giant made its debut in Russia more than three decades ago, but temporarily shut down hundreds of its locations following the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. The chain is now ready to cut all ties in the country and is focused on selling its entire portfolio to a local buyer. Officials say they hope to ensure its employees in Russia will have future job opportunities. India has announced a partial ban on the export of wheat as domestic prices soar. The move could push global wheat prices to new peaks. Here are the details. India banned wheat exports on Saturday as a scorching heat wave slashed output and domestic prices hit a record high. Commerce Secretary BVR Supramanyam told reporters the country would still allow some exports to fulfill existing contracts and support countries with food security needs. Officials told the news conference in New Delhi the plan is not to ban the grain's export forever and that the rule could be revised later on. The move comes just days after India said it was targeting record wheat shipments of 10 million tons this year. The world's second biggest wheat producer has been cashing in on a global rally in the grain's prices since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It exported a record 7 million tons of wheat in the fiscal year to March, up more than 250 percent from the previous year. Although India is not one of the world's top wheat exporters, global buyers have been relying on supplies from the country after shipments from Ukraine and its surrounding Black Sea region plunged. Analysts say the ban could now drive world food prices to new peaks, given the already tight supply, which would hit poor consumers in Asia and Africa especially hard. Leader Kim Jong-un has ordered North Korea's military to help distribute COVID-19 medicine in Pyongyang, the country's capital. It's part of the country's battle against its first confirmed outbreak of the CCP virus. Residents, however, say they are turning to traditional methods to treat the virus. Here's more on the story. North Korea is not only battling its first confirmed explosive outbreak of COVID-19, but it says it is also grappling with drug shortages. State media reported that the country's leader, Kim Jong-un, has ordered the immediate deployment of the military to stabilize the distribution of medicine in the capital, Pyongyang. Kim, who was seen visiting pharmacies on Sunday, told an emergency Politburo meeting that drugs procured by the state were not reaching people quickly or accurately. President of neighboring South Korea, Yoon Suk-yul, has said he is willing to help. Seoul's Unification Ministry, which is responsible for cross-border relations, said it had proposed working-level talks to provide medical supplies, including vaccines and test kits, as well as technical cooperation. But it added that the North had not received its message. 
Amid the medical shortages, North Korean state media has encouraged residents to use painkillers and antibiotics to treat symptoms. It has also encouraged home remedies, including gargling salt water and drinking herbal teas. Previously, state media has suggested using burdock root as a cure while downplaying the effectiveness of vaccines. Pyongyang residents had their own ideas of how to tackle the virus. I had my faith that this could be cured if we have accurate treatments. I also think we can definitely overcome it by ventilating the house regularly and cleaning it while having a proper workout. For kids, they tend to move a lot even if they have a fever. So they just run around and play for 30 minutes if I turn on children's dancing songs. North Korea previously claimed no confirmed cases of COVID-19. It is only one of two countries in the world that is yet to begin a COVID vaccination campaign, according to the World Health Organization. North Korea's tally of the fever-stricken stood at over 1.2 million, with 50 deaths by Sunday, according to KCNA. It did not say how many suspected infections had tested positive for COVID-19. Coming up, Japanese culture took over a part of Manhattan with the first-ever Japan Day parade over the weekend. And today's Aryan Pastar was on the scene. A Thai Buddhist temple lights 210,000 LED lanterns to celebrate Vesak Day. The holiday celebrates the birth, life, and death of Buddha. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Traditional Japanese food, music, dresses, and more, a part of Manhattan dived into the culture of the Far Eastern nation this weekend. NTD's Arian Pastar was on the scene and brings us the highlights. New York City's very first Japan Day Parade being held here, right next to Central Park. The main theme today, keeping tradition alive and sharing culture. Star Trek actor George Takei led the parade, which had something for pretty much everyone who's interested in Japanese culture traditional music, martial arts, and of course, food. The parade's host told me they have a few things they're trying to showcase. The techniques of martial arts or dance, or just the tradition of respect and paying honor to our ancestors. Respecting the elderly is important in Japanese culture, and the country even has a day for it, which translates to Respect the Age Day. Another thing that's very big in Japan, baseball. It was brought to Japan from the U.S. exactly 150 years ago. And I was told people liked it right away. Back then, you know, every Japanese people loved baseball. So the, the most major sport in Japan would be baseball. Nowadays. Nowadays. And the sport apparently connects cultures to this day. When we try to understand America, we start from baseball. Also 150 years ago, the friendship between New York City and Japan started, which was celebrated at the parade. One fan traveled all the way from North Carolina to the Big Apple for the parade. Have my birthday here in New York and see the parade. After the parade, there was a street fair, which had Japanese barbecue, ramen noodles and sweet treats. Now that's the end of the parade, but the festivities do go on with music, food and much more. Arian Pastar, NTD News, New York. 
In parts of the U.S., a super blood moon took on a reddish-orange appearance. The moon, earth, and sun fell into alignment on Sunday night, resulting in a rare sight during a lunar eclipse. During a total lunar eclipse, the whole of the lunar disk enters the Earth's umbra, or shadow region. Moon watchers in the Midwest and Western U.S. were able to see a full reddish-orange moon, which lasted about 14 minutes. Then the moon moved out of Earth's umbra and back into its penumbra outer partial shaded region. In total, the lunar eclipse lasted several hours. The red color occurs because the Earth is between the moon and the sun. To get to the moon, wavelengths of light travel through the Earth's atmosphere, which turns them red. The blood moon this time is occurring with a supermoon phenomena, which happens when the moon appears very large. It's the time when the moon makes its closest orbital approach to Earth, and also as a full moon sets in. Drone footage from a Thai temple shows 210,000 LED lanterns illuminated to commemorate Vesak Day, also known as Buddha Day. The lanterns depict the birth, enlightenment, and death of Buddha. The lighting of the lanterns was followed by meditation and prayer in the Pali language of ancient Buddhist scriptures. In many Asian countries, Vesak Day is one of the most important Buddhist festivals. It usually attracts tens of thousands of believers to the Dhammakaya Temple on the outskirts of Bangkok. For the past year, devotees and Buddhist monks in Thailand and across the globe have been encouraged to join the ceremony virtually via Zoom as a precaution against the spread of COVID-19. The festival usually takes place in the month of May during the first full moon based on the lunar calendar. Around 200 people competed in what organizers call the world's first pedalo championship. The event took place in the Belgian capital of Brussels on Sunday. The pedalos are also known as paddle boats. They're a popular attraction among locals and tourists who rent them out for leisure trips in a local pond. Hundreds of fans and onlookers showed up to cheer for the 20 teams. They were given four hours to complete as many laps as possible. One contestant said that her strategy was to be fast, not to be afraid of getting wet, and above all, to keep well hydrated. Although participating seemed more important than winning for most participants, a team called Baywatch took the race seriously. They finished first after having completed 42 laps, resulting in a distance of nearly 11 miles. A second round of the Belgian Pedalo World Championship will take place on May 22nd. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. Podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.